I'm Baron Ron Heron for AM 1290. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Duver and I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290. Repeated at 11. And on Saturdays at 6, we're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, and at Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil, how are you doing today? Are you staying dry with all this rain and wind? Yeah, but I went out and my hair got all messed up. Okay, I think everyone's sick of hearing about your hair. No, well, it was windy. <laughs> it was, you know, when I came here, my Especially- broker- my broker told me the weather's perfect. It's only 72 degrees. It's never cold. Um, it, it doesn't rain and it, uh, there's no earthquakes. And I'm very- dis- It's kind of funny. My kids' school are going to start having rain days on days where it's raining too hard, where they can't be outside because they're doing a lot of outside instruction and lunch and what have you. So that was, that was interesting coming from the East Coast where we got snow days. Yeah. I thought that, that, would, that was a, kind of a fun little- uh, twist. Well, they say people in Southern California, you can't drive in the rain. So it's probably a good idea not to uh, force them on the roads on a rain day. (laughs) Yes, yes, kind of funny. So we're thrilled to welcome back to the show, Matthew Fish, who's the founder and owner of Fish Life Insurance Agency. And so Matt thinks so. Oh, I guess I said it wrong. It's called Fish Life Insurance Planning. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, thanks for having me back. Good to see everybody. Uh, So um, the first article we have today um, caught my attention because it was it it is written by Neil Irwin in The New York Times, who's a very liberal, very intelligent uh, economics writer. And the title of the article is What Trump Had Right on the Economy. I thought this ought to be interesting. And it was. Um, the article is focused on the Phillips curve. And the Phillips curve, of those of you who remember Economics 101, um, is the theory that um, the relationship between jobless rate and inflation is that if unemployment uh, goes up uh, or as unemployment is too low, the, the logic when inflation was inevitable. So central bankers needed to prevent that from happening. And for you know, 40 years, basically the Fed took the view that they needed to raise interest rates to result to, to, to make sure that the economy didn't overheat, even if it hurt some employment numbers. And what's happened uh, in the last three years is that we've had this incredible uh, stimulus um, and uh, we've had no inflation. And so the Phillips curve didn't work and people now have to um, rethink the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Phillips curve and whether that is the way to, um, to uh, manage the Fed. 
Now, of course, the other side of this is that we've we've ended up with the largest deficit in the history of the country. Um, and you know, the extent that that deficit is going to come back and haunt us is, is another issue completely. But there is talk, uh, serious talk over the last year or so, and it's been manifested in the Fed's current policy of m- more concern about unemployment than inflation and not to jump the gu- gun and raise, raise interest rates. And Biden is probably even more so to more, more likely than, than even Trump to, to make sure that this continues because his focus clearly is going to be on, on unemployment. Right, because, you know, it, it, it's been a whipsaw in 2020. We went from the lowest unemployment numbers, historically speaking, very low numbers, to very high numbers given the pandemic. And the next article is from uh, this weekend's Wall Street Journal. Uh, Jason Swig uh, has an article entitled, Even Warren Buffett Needs an Abdominable No-Man. And um, the article is about uh, not focusing on friends when you invest like some of the new apps are uh, uh, are creating this sort of uh, group mentality, but to, uh, to look at um, different opinions. And what's interesting is back in the, in the 60s and 70s, when the efficient market theory was uh, being uh, formulated, the, the view was that you had an efficient market when there was a large number of investors, which was essentially the world investors, um, having different opinions. And when they made their decisions based upon whatever research they were doing, the result would be a market that fairly valued securities in general. And what the article is is pointing out is that we now have groupthink and that many of the leading stocks are stocks that are supported by everyone who's buying stocks. And you don't have that friction between different uh, points of view that results in a more efficient marketplace. Uh, The next article is very similar, and it talks about uh, beware when investors forget market fundamentals. And I didn't realize this was true. This was also in the weekend Wall Street Journal. And the article is about the best performing stocks of the last couple of years. And what they did is they did a study and they found that the best performing stocks were related to the price of the stock. The lower the price of the stock, the better the performance was. And the $1 stocks did the best all the way up. And you know that makes no sense, of course, because uh, the uh, price of a stock is, is irrelevant. What's really relevant is what the stock represents in terms of ownership of a company. And uh, yet uh, it seems that the speculative fever that is driving some of the you know, more uh, 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 attractive stocks for the Robinhood investors are also driving stocks with low prices versus higher prices. Well, if you think about what bubble really is, is it's a bubble of no earnings companies. So companies that ha- are not making any money are the ones that are going gangbusters or like the Bitcoins, the very speculative investments are the ones that are, are forming this type of bubble that's happening. And so when you when you look, when you look fast forward, everyone likes to compare bubbles to previous bubbles and that you can't help but to think of the, of the late 90s 
with the de- with the dot com bubble, which was very similar in some ways in that it affected primarily those companies that weren't making any money, but their stock price was going up. The difference, however, with this is that you still have um, many asset classes that are not in a bubble. If you look at international stocks, if you look at small stocks. And so really that's where people should be focusing as opposed to getting caught up in the Robinhood investor frenzy of buying this speculative um, you know, companies that are not producing any earnings. Um, true. Uh, the next article is uh, uh, about Tesla, and you know, two weeks ago we talked about uh, how overvalued Tesla was based upon uh, a, an old formula that I uh, was uh, exposed to in graduate school years ago. But there's uh, two articles here that came out this week that are really interesting, and that is if you believe in Tesla, why aren't GM, Ford, and Toyota cra- uh, crashing? Uh, you know, those the auto stocks are all going up, and what the article is pointing out accurately, I believe, is that the auto market is only so big. And if Tesla is going to grow at the rate that the price seems to indicate, the competitors should be going uh, down to reflect their loss of market share, but they're not. And that is another indication, I think, that the speculative fever of Tesla is out of control. And the companion article to this was an article about uh, Ford Mustang and how the Ford Mustang is going to be uh, an electronic car uh, that is uh, as fuel efficient, actually slightly more fuel efficient than uh, Tesla at half the price um, of the expensive Tesla. Actually, um, it's going to be with a discount uh, that a federal tax credit that Tesla is no longer applicable will be about $7,000 less. So, you know, you can really make the case that Tesla had this great idea. Um, It is, you know, uh, growing rapidly right now, but it's, it's almost a commodity when you think about it, that other companies are going to develop technologies. And at some point, uh, everyone is going to have the same technology. It's sort of like Toyota with, with hybrids. So, uh, here's another reason that people should be more focused on fundamentals and consider the fact that not only is the price out of control, 1,600 times earnings, and not only are other companies not doing badly in the stock market, which doesn't reflect what would have to happen if Tesla was going to do as well as everyone thinks it should do, but there's now competition coming along with product that is very, very competitive with what Tesla has. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. If you look at Tesla at, as only an as only an automobile maker, however, they are also integrating in with the solar panels, which I think is under um, is is underrepresented in when people speak about the stock. That said, I think there Tesla has really cornered the market on that solar battery technology that's that's um, really powering people's homes as well as their cars. However, Tesla is extremely expensive right now. Um, you know, whatever you just said, what is it? How many times earnings is Tesla trading? 1,600. 1,600. It's, it's absurd. It's, it's not sustainable in any way. However, I think there is more value there than just a traditional car company. Uh, the last article we have today is uh, new ETFs that Wall Street is peddling. 
And the article is about uh, what they call story ETFs. That is, when we think of an ETF, we think sometimes as a simple index fund that represents the whole market or the S&P 500. But now Wall Street has been coming out with ETFs based on a particular story. So, it, and they call them thematic, thematic. So it could be, you know, electronic uh, cars. It could be games. It could be um, uh, wind. It could be uh, pets, uh, anything. And the amount of ETFs that are being sold on this basis is substantial. And, and I just want to point out that, the, you know, when you buy a index fund on the market, you're, you're essentially a passive investor, which for me, that uh, where I don't really think I can, you know, pick the market uh, is the really appropriate way uh, to invest. But here, when you pick a thematic ETF, you're, you're making a very explicit decision of what you think is going to be attractive. And uh, I think once you uh, are picking stocks or picking which type of ETF you're picking, you're really not buying an index, you're really buying a decision which could be right or could be wrong. Well, but if you think about that, though, Neil, is ETFs are used for the sectors. And there have always been sector ETFs. Now, you know, whether it be biotech or, you know, a small cap or something along those lines. And that truly really is still um, passive. I'm not sure about the video gaming. I've never seen one of those. However, you know, one could argue that it is much of the same, like a sector ETF. By the way, the video game industry is bigger than the uh, movie industry. It's hard oh, to I believe, know. but it's an incredibly, it is hard to it's incredibly large uh, part of the, uh, and, it's, and it's been a booming stock sector as well. And it's very addictive. So kids are getting hooked early and playing right through their lives. You think it's, I'm too old to start playing video games? I have nothing no. else to do. No. I was going to say, you got nothing but time right now, Neil. I know, I know. Stuck at home. Um, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. 
At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290 or moneytalk1290 at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out to us. So we have with us today um, Matthew Fish, who's the founder and owner of Fish Life Insurance Planning. He just recently opened up his own uh Life insurance, plan, life insurance business uh, on his own. He's been in the financial services industry since 2000. So gosh, that's going on 21 years there, Matt. And um, you know, he really found his niche in life insurance. And so Matt, tell us about Fish Life Insurance Planning. Um, yes, well, hi, thanks again for ha having me. And yeah, with uh, you know about 20 years experience, I, I obviously got started very, very, very young. Um, in the uh, in business, I think I was just about six, seven years old at the I got licensed. But, uh, okay, not old enough for this joke. <laughs> Neil can pull it off. And you <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll give you a little uh, background about how Fish Life came to be. I was working for another financial services company here in town, and that particular company just was doing so much. There was just a few of us there. Between uh, there was a health insurance business there. There was a more traditional uh, financial planning. Um, aspect. I'm a fully licensed advisor, or at least I was at the time, um, uh, doing stocks, bonds, mutual funds, plans, all those different things, in addition to um, the risk management sleeve of someone's financial plan. Risk management is just a fancy way of saying insurance. So dealing with their life insurance needs, their disability, their ability to protect their income, um, and long-term care. Those are the three ones, life, disability, and long-term care. And what I realized is that there are so many great financial planners in town, like, the, like those down at uh, Arlington, and um, there wasn't a whole lot of people doing insurance work. It seemed to be a, a, a there's some great people in town doing that, um, but it just seemed to be an overwhelming opportunity. Um, so it allows me by 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 leaving that company, starting my own, deactivating from my former broker dealer, it allows me to really broaden <clears throat> my strategic partners, different advisors around town. Um, you know, when you're when you're bound to when you're affiliated with a broker dealer, you can't really do business with other people. You know, you get into these laws and selling away and all these different things. So it just has created this opportunity to be as nimble, independent, um, and really, like I said, just uh, attract a, a heck of a lot more strategic partners in town to do a joint work with, kind of um, come in and be like the unofficial partner, uh, like the insurance guy in the office um, with uh, all the great work that, uh, that, that, that you and, and other advisors are doing with comprehensive financial plans. 
So let's talk a, a minute about um, long-term care policies. Um, as, as we move into kind of that next uh, phase where people are, are looking at how to pay for long-term care if something were to happen, whether it be memory issues or, or body is giving out on you and you need help at home, how has long-term care changed over your tenure of selling it? You know, it's it's really uh, it it it's it's one of the hottest sectors right now um, in the insurance world for the reason that the whole paradigm has shifted with it. Uh, traditionally, long-term care was sold as a use it or lose it type benefit, meaning you know it'd be like your car insurance or your fire insurance or earthquake insurance and just stuff that you'd write a check for every month or every year and you hope you never have to use it, right? But when this thing's costing you know five or ten thousand dollars a year you know, you're writing this big chunk and fingers crossed, you die calmly and, you know, uh, in your sleep, you don't have to go through the various policies. But what's happened um, is that the insurance industry is smarter than uh, we probably give it credit for. And what's happened is the, the evolution has become a life insurance policy with something called a long-term care rider on it. So what that means is that if I have a $500,000 life insurance benefit, right, traditionally a, a life insurance benefit pays when the person dies, right? But if I need long-term care, it allows me to get access to that death benefit early in the event that I need long-term care. So we're no longer talking about a use it or lose it benefit, meaning I write the check, hope I never use it. With this life insurance policy, if I never need long-term care, well, then my beneficiaries will receive the face amount of the life insurance policy. But if I need long-term care, I now have this pot of $500,000 that I can dip into on a monthly basis to pay for those claims. So if I go, let's say, and I use $250,000 of that, that fund and then pass away, well, the remaining 250 would then go um, to the beneficiaries, right? So I know when I write that premium check every year that all of the benefit of that policy is going to get used one way or another. Yeah, but um, one of the things wrong with that, though, is if you bought the life insurance component for a specific reason, it's being reduced by the uh, long-term care component if you begin to take long-term care. So, it, 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 and, and that that has to be part of the of of the calculus. That that is part of the plan, right? If I have a a life insurance need of five hundred thousand dollars, right? Well, maybe I supplement that, or let's say I need seven fifty. Maybe I supplement that with some term, or there's various strategies that we can go. Um, we can take a larger policy and only use you know, carve out part of it that's going to be used for long-term care. Again, when you look at someone's comprehensive financial plan, you know, how much could they afford to self-insure and what's part of their other assets? So that's when you would sit down with an advisor and really find um, what, what, the, uh, what the needs are. But Neil, if you're, if you're dead, you don't need that. that no, no but, 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 life, but life insurance isn't, other than for paying taxes, life insurance isn't for the dead person. It's for, the people that survive or the institutions that survive. And so, you know, to the extent that there was a strategic reason to have the life insurance, you really need to figure out the risk of reducing that face amount by the disability component if you if you take it. The, I mean, the other solution would be not to die. That's, that's, that's it. Yeah, I'm going to be out of business if that happens. <laughs> yeah. When you corner that market, let, let me know. I know someone's willing to pay for that. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get Elon Musk on it. You know, we can diversify that Tesla portfolio. They're going to have to do something at, at 1,600 times earnings. 
Um, you're, I think it's time for a break. I think we're getting too silly here. Uh, you're, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us. American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. The Friendship Center has something new to offer Santa Barbara area seniors. It's their Community Connect Adult Program, the first ever virtual membership program with Zoom classes designed to keep seniors connected and engaged. Here's Catherine Cherkis. In addition to the Zoom classes, we do daily calls, write letters weekly, we do resource referrals, care consultations, we do take care totes where we send out food and supplies that someone would need for the entire month. And one of our coolest things that we do is a drive. We have the caregivers bring their loved ones in their car and we do an hour-long activity. We lead them through a seated exercise. We do some jokes. No one works here for any other reason besides they believe in what we're doing and the importance of keeping seniors engaged and tackling isolation. To learn more about the Friendship Center's Community Connect Adult Program, go to friendshipcentersb.org or call 805-969-0859. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Stewart, a certified appraiser of fine art and antiques. Join me Fridays at 10 a.m. for the Art and Antiques Radio Show, where we'll talk with the movers and shakers of the art and antiques world. Join us Friday at 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. and Sundays at 11 a.m. for the Art and Antiques Radio Show, right here at AM 1290, the Santa Barbara News Press radio station. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded in providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial guidance. And if you're just joining us, we have Matt Fish, the founder of Fish Life Insurance Planning, which is a full-service independent insurance brokerage specializing in life, disability, and long-term care policies. So Matt, you know, it was a bold move to start your firm during COVID and this pandemic that we're in. And so tell me about what, what, well, you already shared why you did it, but can you tell me if you had what challenges you had and what silver linings, if there were any during this um, pandemic time? You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's really sad that so many people have passed away and so many people have gotten sick and they're unemployed. Um, but I, I, and I feel guilty saying this out loud, but this is really one of the industries that, um, has really excelled, um, for a number of reasons. Um, when you get involved with the pandemic and it's everywhere and everybody's life is upside down, um, a lot of people really take inventory, right? What do I got? What am I covered for? I know I bought something a million years ago that some guy or some lady sold me or my brother-in-law did. You know what I mean? And people just start pulling this stuff out. And it's a really, really smart thing to do. Um, so because of that, um, you know, there was an, an interest. People, I mean, I'm sure you see it in, in, in your business, Diane. 
Um, people want to know what they got, where they're going, where are they exposed. Um, they want to buy more, they want to reduce, whatever it is. Um, we just started doing a lot of, lot of policy reviews. Um, it's so important because you know, interest rate, the, 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 the engine that makes an insurance policy go are interest rates, right? The insurance company needs to collect premiums, invest that money and still make a dollar profit, right? In order to pay off the claims, right? So with interest rates being so low, right? For such a, and, and we don't see them going up anytime in the near future, the insurance company can't really make a whole lot of money on the money that you're paying them, right? Which, which basically slows down the performance of that policy. There's, 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 there's nothing there being credited to it. So policies that may have been healthy four or five years ago when the interest rates were higher, um, you know, they're, they're, they really need to be pulled out and looked at. And, and like anything, if we get to it early enough, um, you have options. Um, if not, a lot of those policies that people thought were in good health, um, they're going to end up worthless or lapsed or need to write a really big check to, uh, to, uh, um, to, to save them. So, the, so a long way of, of answering your question is that it's just a lot of awareness that people have at times like this for, for these types of coverages. So, so what's the substitute product now for people that bought a product that uh, relied on uh, investment returns from interest rates? What, what is the new products that they're offering? Well, it's, it's new relative to the industry. Uh, and, and of course, we're talking about permanent insurance policies, right? Where the darlings of the industries for a long time were whole life policies, uh, variable universal life came in, and that was really tied to the roller coaster of the market. Um, again, uh, the, uh, the, the brains over at the insurance companies created something called indexed universal life policy, right? A lot of big words, gobbledygook industry jargon there. But what that means is that if I put $10,000 into my policy and the policy is going to credit 3%, right? So on day one, I've got $10,300 in the policy. Well, you can choose to keep that in cash, right? And now I've got 10300 and we're going to rinse and repeat that each year. But with an index universal life policy, what I do is I take that $300 and I buy an option on, let's say the S&P 500, right? So the option right, goes into effect at the end of the year. If the market is up, we would go ahead and exercise that option. And if the market is down, we just go ahead and let that option expire, right? So that sounds great. All the upside in the world and no downside, well, it doesn't quite work like that, right? There's a few more details in there. They're gonna cap us on the upside. So right now you're looking at maybe 9% or so is the cap. So the insurance kind of company is going to put us in this little box where it's going to bounce between zero and 9%, right? As the interest rate goes up, right? Maybe it's crediting 5% instead of three, right? And that will buy me a cap of maybe 10 or 11%, right? So I can get an equity-like return for less risk than even just a regular bond portfolio, which can lose money right? You cannot, the only thing that could reduce the cash value inside an index universal life policy are the regular costs of insurance. So these things have become very, very popular over the years because, you know, some people want to go and, and earn 20% on their money. And there's, there's great money managers out there that can do that. This is not going to be that. This is for your, you know, your singles and your doubles. You're not looking to hit home runs with, with an index universal. And so, and so the way the, the insurance company makes money is if you if the markets, for instance, last year, the S&P was up over that 9% cap, the insurance company keeps the, keeps the, the top, right? 
No, they they don't. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's a w- without getting too far into the weeds on option contracts. But the if if I put my ten thousand dollars in, the insurance company credits me three percent, so I've got three hundred bucks. The the three hundred bucks only buys a nine cap, right? So that, that that's the price of the option. So that's what I'm saying. If the interest rates go up and it's five percent, so now I've got five hundred bucks to spend, I might be able to get a cap with that's you know maybe ten or eleven percent or something like that, right? But right now they're so low. So, I, so how how is you know you talk about needing to review your insurance, which obviously people should do, uh, frequent not frequently but certainly every five or ten years. How boring is it for you to read insurance policies? I mean, I, I can imagine getting up in the morning, exercising, you know, taking a shower, and then sitting down and reading ten people's life insurance policies. Yeah, um, it, it's. <laughs> I find it actually absolutely fascinating. You know, there's. Uh, He's like. <laughs> you know, some people want to, you know, Netflix and chill. And I just want to, you know, put, pull out the, uh, the old uh, insurance contracts. But, you know, a lot of the stuff, I mean, you, you don't you don't really look through the actual contract when you're doing a policy review. Right. What you look at are all the various components that make up the policy. Right. Like what's it being credited? Where is it invested? Um, how much cash value is in there? What's the policy? What are our options? So. Um, it, it is a cool kind of a, a little game that 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 you can play with it, um, but uh, it, it's not for everyone, Neil. Do you, do, you, do you deal with one insurance company or you deal with a bunch of them? No, that's uh, that's uh, I'm not what they would call a captive agent. I'm totally independent, so I've got uh, you know relationships with over a hundred different insurers, and um, you know when when we go and and we meet with people, um, we can really find them the best solution and not be from one particular insurance company trying to shove that suite of products down uh, down a client's throat. There's an article in today's Wall Street Journal, apropos of you being a guest today, which talks about what they say may be a conflict of interest. I'm not so sure it is. I don't know if you saw the article, but it said that uh, certain uh, life insurance companies are offering their brokers uh, free life insurance or very much discounted life insurance, depending upon how much they sell. Right, and uh, they are saying that that should be divulged to um, to the buyer. Now, you know, I'm not sure that's a conflict, but are there perks that you that you miss out by not focusing on just one or two life insurance companies, or it doesn't really matter to you? Well, um, if they're giving away trips to Hawaii, there might be a conversation there. But <laughs> free life insurance, I think I'll uh, <laughs> I'll shop it around a little bit, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think that, you know, like, like anything, you want to do what's in the best interest of the client, um, you know, at all times. That, that's, that, that way, everybody wins. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. 
Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much, for taking me out to the park, for reading me books, for taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot in ballet rehearsal, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And And now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for having the chance to take you to the park, for reading you those books we enjoy so much, for being able to take you to your therapies after you twisted your ankle, for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. And in your new role, we help you help. Visit aarp.org caregiving to get practical health and wellness tips to provide even better care for your loved one. Remember, visit aarp.org caregiving. AARP, we help you help. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, Matt, tell us, you know, when you're in your, the middle of your insurance reviews, what happens when you, you look at a policy, and in fact, it's, you know, given that interest rates have been so low, many of these policies are upside down, and it's very difficult to make them work without writing a big check. What do you advise clients to do at that point? Well, it's like anything. You don't know there's a problem until you uh, have actually diagnosed the problem, right? So once they come in, they have a policy. We can run something called an enforced illustration. Now, when you buy an, an insurance policy, you know, you see these illustrations and it says it's going to earn this much money and it's going to cost this much. It's going to have all of these constants that are there. The fees are going to be this, right? But all of that is just basically a projection of what would happen if all of those variables just stayed the same for the length of the policy. And we know 100% that's not what's going to happen. But if we have a policy that there's actual 20 years into, we have the real data of the real performance, the real fees that were paid, the real premiums that were paid in for that policy where what we're able to do is say, the health of the policy, if you keep doing what you're doing, the policy will last forever. Or if you stop paying premiums, the the policy will last for five years or whatever the various scenarios are, right? So if there was a policy, I'll give an example. We had someone that had about $250,000 of cash value inside of their policy. It was a million dollar policy. And the the policy had about six more years on it and then all 250,000 was going to get eaten up right if we didn't do anything the client was insurable which is good because we were able to provide options where we were able to move that 250,000 from one policy to the other right so we were able to get him a fully paid up $750,000 life insurance policy right so we'd never have to pay premiums and like i was talking about before with long term care right? He has that new long-term care rider on it. So we were able to repurpose that 250000 that left if it was still sitting, you know, in an envelope with all of his other important papers, six years later, it would have been gone, worthless, done. So it's very, very powerful 
um, to take a look and see what's going on with that. And then he had another policy, which was in very good health that we just said, hey, you know, this this one's good as gold. Um, leave it alone. So so the question is, if you are dealing with someone um, who's looking for long term care, who's over 65, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I can think of that's not covered by Medicare is dementia. Uh, so is that what you're insuring against? I mean, what what? Uh, that is to have somebody sitting in your home. Other than that, isn't everything covered by Medicare? Where does the benefit of long-term care come for somebody who's in, on Medicare? Well, if you need to go into a facility, these things just get very expensive, right? So yes. That's what I mean, but going to a facility is, if, if you need to go in for medical reasons, you, it's paid for by Medicare. If you need to, no, if you need to go in for you know, dementia or something, then it's not. It's about having a choice of where you want to go. So there are medical there are, there are there are facilities that accept Medicare, and they're far right. and few between. And the um, a, the amenities that go along with those places are usually not as great as the ones that don't accept Medicare. And that's right. where you want to be. You want to be seventy five years old and have a new roommate? Probably not, right? It depends what she looks like. <laughs> 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 okay. After that comment, I had a question in my head, and I can't even think about it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the primary reason why you want to have long-term care is because you want to have options. You want to, you want to be able to either have somebody come into your home if that's, if, if, if that's your desire and live, you know, it, oftentimes you see that there are two, there's a couple where one is in need of help and the other one is doing just fine independently, but it's a big undertaking to take care of the spouse. And so to have some, some care come in and some respite for the um, abled-bodied spouse is hugely helpful. It, it, it is. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that we've seen change in the way that, that I try to position um, an insurance contract um, as, it part, as it pertains to someone's overall financial plan is that we want to take a look at it as an asset class, right? You talked before when you were doing the articles about the various asset classes and things. And what I mean by that is... If I have, let's say, a million dollars saved in my retirement plan, and I plan on if I need care, I'm just going to dip into that and use it, right? Well, if I move some money out of that plan, out of that retirement plan, and put that into a life insurance uh, policy with a long-term care rider on it, again, if I need the long-term care, I can dip into that life insurance uh, early. But if I don't, and I end up passing away, right? Well, if I put, you know, $100,000 into that life insurance policy, and it's going to pay out $500,000, right? There's something called an internal rate of return, right? How, what would I, what would I have, what would I have had to make on that $100,000 in order to get $500,000 later, right? And if we start looking at a policy that a 55 year old takes out, right, at age 90, if they pass away, the internal rate of return on that thing is going to be about four to four and a half percent, right? And that's a tax free four and a half percent. Right. So what that means is that the premium that person paid from age 55 to age 90. Right. They would have had to earn about six and a half. Is that me? <laughs> they would have had to earn about six and a half percent on that money year in and year out, which is uh, which is, you know, not a hard thing to do. Right. But relative to the amount of risk, which is basically zero. Um, it was a really, really good, you know, quote unquote investment. Now it would have been a much better investment if they paid one month's worth of premiums and died the next day, unfortunately, because the internal, you know, you would have turned a thousand dollars into 500. If, if, if somebody, right. but if, we want to so- take a look at it as we, what's the internal rate of return at 85.95. 
if, if somebody if, if somebody is um, uh, over 65, let's say, and uh, has no need for a tax uh, taxes to pay inheritance tax, so and doesn't really have any real issue with siblings uh, with uh, with with children. Um, do they need anything other than disability, other than um, uh, long-term care? Do, do, at what age do you no longer need life insurance? Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it, there's, there's no official rule for it. Um, a lot of people are, are, are charitably or philanthropically um, inclined. You know, there's lots of money that goes to churches, charities, all kinds of things that um, it might not necessarily be to, uh, to, to put some money in the next generation's pocket, but, um, you know, there, there's ways to do that, stretch those dollars a little bit for charitable intent. So at what age would be the right age for people to start evaluating long-term care insurance? What's that sweet spot to, to really go out and, and buy it? Um, I, I would say as you start getting into your mid fifties, that's, that's when you might want to take a look at it. Um, obviously, like any insurance policy, um, insurability has to be a factor, right? <laughs> so if uh, the, 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 it's a juggling, right, because you want to do it earlier while you're healthier, it's easier to get and you qualify better for it. But, um, you know, you also don't want to don't want to go in too early on that because you're going to be carrying it for such a long time. Um, but I would say your mid fifties is a, is a really good place to start. That's when people really start looking at, um, you know, retirement's kind of around the corner in the next 10 to 15 years or so. So you want to set yourself up that, um, you can get a lot of these costs and things taken care of while you're still working, right. And be able to just retire and not have any more bills to pay. So if, uh, if the planning is done right, but, uh, yeah, mid fifties is a, and what's what's the average cost, what's the average cost now of that people are planning for? Is it still roughly two and a half years, and and how much how much uh, coverage is necessary, or do you recommend? Well, the the average long term care stay is about thirty months, right? And then things so like you said, about two and a half years there when uh, when when the body starts to kind of give out once it's been under uh, care. Now, obviously, there's exceptions to that. Some are a little bit less, some are, some are a little bit longer, but um, you want to plan for for at least that. Um, I would say three years would be the bare minimum of a uh, you know, uh, time you want to uh, to insure for. You're listening on that positive note you're listening to money talk on am 1290 kzsb and we'll be right back with our final segment For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment alone. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I'd build secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over, until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Matt, you've been now in the business for almost 20 or 21 years, as we've we just said earlier in the show. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen or experienced in the insurance industry? And how do you think that they work better for clients or not? Well, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, just take a look what's gone on just this one year. It's kind of a microcosm of what's happened, right? We can do all of you have to get together with someone, take an application, have them sign it, you know, you, just all these different things that you would have to do. They would, they would mail away to the doctor's office to have the records sent over. And now we're doing Zooms, we're doing DocuSigns, we're doing all of these different things. Um, that just the, the, the ability to get someone, you know, in the door written and policy in hand is just dropped by, you know, 75%. I mean, it's just, it's so quick what they can do now with uh, this thing, the, the internet. I think it's really catching on here. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably the biggest change that we've seen. Um, also, right now with, with COVID, some of the barriers to entry are temporarily lifted. Um, you know, they used to require their own examiner to come do blood and urine and all those different things. And now, uh, um, you know, if you if you've seen the doctor within the last 12 months, they'll use that same blood work. And just again, just kind of keep things moving along through uh, through through the process, the underwriting process. So um, pretty, pretty cool stuff on what we're able to do. And now with with COVID, have you seen that? So you've seen them relax some of their um, their policies or some of their requirements for um, efficiency efficiency sake. Have are there any changes coming down the pike that you know of that that will further help the consumer? I'm sorry, you're cutting out. I lost you there for a minute. Are, are there 
changes coming down the pike that can help the consumer besides just the efficiency piece? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything um, that's there. Just one of the, the big things is just that the interest rates are, are not going um, up anytime soon. And what we've seen is a lot of carriers just temporarily exit the, 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 the market. Um, you know, at least temporarily, they can either stop selling or raise prices. And if they raise prices, no one's going to be buying. So, you know, the the other um, alternative is just to kind of leave the market. So you see, we're starting to see some carriers kind of ebb and flow or retire certain products or certain types um, to help mitigate the uh, that that low interest rate. Yeah, yeah and also some of the insurance companies, some of the insurance companies are taking more risk to pump up their yield. So they're investing in things that otherwise would not have been attractive. So some of the insurance companies well, may be going out there a little bit. Well, they, 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 it's a fine line because they're, they're only as good as what that, that letter that they get, you know, their creditworthiness grade, you know, they, they, no one out there. I mean, there's only one or two carriers that are going to be a triple A rated company, but most of them would live in that kind of a minus a double a range because it allows them a little more flexibility right um to be able to do that so you know it's not like they're going out and you know day trading etfs or they're not doing the video game etfs i could ima i can't imagine that they're they're buying that with the portfolio but maybe they are taking a little bit more interest in in real estate and some of the other sectors but all in all um i think they have to keep that balance sheet pretty clean and how, how important is that to, the, to a consumer, the, the um, rating for the insurance company? Well, um, I think it's, it's ultimately the most important thing, right, is the creditworthiness. You're going to give someone, you're making a contract with someone, you got to make sure they can pay it off, right? Um, you know, we haven't seen too many scenarios where, you know, someone went up and, and what we're not able to, uh, to, to pay those claims. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you want to be dealing with, uh, with, with, with highly rated companies, household names, that sort of thing. Well, thank you, Matt Fish. Uh, thank you for your uh, uh, information about life insurance and uh, long-term care. Um, I'm sure you can be reached on the web. Uh, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week. It's three.